It is Fan Mail Friday, and today we're going to discuss if it makes sense to pay Mike Williams and Keenan Allen top receiver money, and also talk about how important the 2022 season is for Tom Telesco, and if he'll potentially be on the hot seat if things go south, all on today's Locked On Chargers podcast. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, and this is our fifth as a host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Thank you for making us your first listen today. And as always, make sure to go follow the show wherever you get your podcast from for free on all platforms and subscribe to the new Lockdown Chargers podcast as well. We have a big show today with Fan Mail Friday, getting into a ton of big questions, maybe none bigger than if it makes sense personnel-wise for the Chargers to pay Keenan Allen and Mike Williams as top-tier receivers. But before we get into that, David, I do think we have to kind of talk about something that's going on in the world right now. I'm not going to keep it short, but I just want to say thank you guys for listening. I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. I'm definitely thinking of the people in the Ukraine and it's tough to do things like this when there's big problems happening in the world. And I think it's just another moment for us to thank our troops, thank our veterans like David Drogemeyer here, just for making us feel so safe in our homeland that we can do something like this with bigger things like that going on in the world. So we appreciate you guys. We know people try to get away and get an escape in a podcast like this. So we hope we are providing you guys with that today, but it is fan mail Friday and we do want to pay our gratitude to our fans, by getting into some voicemails, and also getting into some Twitter questions as well. So we will be getting into the leash on Tom Telesco as well as what the Chargers could pay Mike Williams and if it makes sense to. But there's a lot of other things too as well as will the Chargers find a good player at 17? Could they just decide to throw all their draft picks on defense like the Panthers did last season? And maybe they'll just throw all their money at Devontae Adams instead of Mike Williams. So much to get into. But I think it starts with Mike Williams, David, the hot debate. And we have a voicemail to start the show off here with Bob from Jersey. Let's hear what he asked for us. What's up, guys? It's Bob from New Jersey. Uh, just a quick thought on Mike Williams. Dan, I think it was about a month ago you had made a comment that I thought made a lot of sense. I don't know how smart it is to spend $30-plus million on wide receiver uh, between two players, obviously, with uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. You know, it, it got me thinking, and I was looking into it, there really aren't any other teams that invest that much money at the wide receiver position. I think the closest comparison were the Rams. Is Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Woods, and they were at about $25 million. But after that, it drops off quite a bit. It's an interesting point, and I think it's a good one. I don't know that you can really construct a well-rounded roster if you're investing that much money in a wide receiver position. As much as I love Mike Williams and I'd love to have him back, I just don't think it's the smartest thing for the Chargers to do. So just curious on your thoughts. I think that's a very valid point, whoever that Dan guy is. I mean, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about for sure. But I think this is the conversation. I mean, that makes it so tough because I know, you know, there's people planting flags on both sides of the argument. Let him walk, right? Resign him, extend him, just franchise tag. And we put a poll out there, you know, it's pretty spread out with a good amount of people wanting to let Mike Williams walk in free agency. But I do think the roster construction question makes sense here, David, just because can you have that much money allocated to one position like that, even if you do have a rookie quarterback, right? Yeah, I mean, it's de- it's definitely something that you have to look at. And yeah, if you look around the league, 
there aren't many teams out there that have that amount of money allocated to the wide receiver position. It is very rare. And, you know, you don't ever want to throw that much money um, in a normal situation into that position group. But also you have to think about what Mike Williams brings to the table and what you're getting when, when you pay him. So, you know, you know, first of all, the organization loves Mike Williams and they've said it on multiple different occasions. Also, Mike Williams has produced in the moments that you need him the most. And, and yes, Keenan Allen's a third down machine. And, you know, if you need a first down, you know that, you know, nine times out of 10, Keenan Allen is going to convert that. But in the moments to where the game has been on the line and the Chargers needed a play to stay in it, who did they go to? Who did they throw the ball to in those situations? It was Mike Williams over and over and over again. And most of the time, Mike Williams came out there and provided the big play that you needed. And, and for Mike Williams, I, it's so polarizing because you've seen some a couple of very good years and you've seen a couple of years where you, you can't fathom paying him top 10 wide receiver money. But you have to look at the way your roster, your specific roster is constructed as far as your salary cap situation and what that salary cap is going to look like in the next few years. Fortunately for the Chargers, they're in a very, very healthy salary cap situation, not only this year, but in the next couple of years as well. So that is going to definitely come in handy for them when they are going to have to make this decision. Yeah, and I mean, I, I do think the production that Mike Williams had in like the big games, in big moments that he's had, I think do kind of, you know, fall by the wayside with the people saying to let him walk and just want to focus on, you know, patches of inconsistency, which I think is fair. And this is a tough decision. It and is. I've kind of stayed by that point the whole time because it is tough. I mean, going back to what Bob said, though, I mean, really, it's 40 million, right? It's not 30 million because it's going to be Keenan Allen at 20 and Mike Williams close to it, if not over it. And I don't know if the Chargers will go over 20, but it's a realistic possibility for him to get that with what the market is and just him being, you know, on the free agent market and what another team will pay him because that is what your market is, what another team will pay you. Chargers yeah. have to decide if that's enough, right? But there are teams that are doing close to that already. I mean, if you look at the Rams, they're actually making around $32 million, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are. So let's say the Chargers get Mike Williams, you know, $17 million, right? Makes him a top 10 paid wide receiver. I think, you know, with Kenny Galladay making 18, it's going to be hard to get under that with how little he produced last year. But let's say best case scenario, you get a 17. That's $37 million you're paying those two dudes on average. Yeah. On average, the Rams were at $32 million. That's $5 million less. The Buccaneers last year with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were over $32 million. So there's teams up there. I do think you can still win with those rosters, and I do think you're going to see that change when, you know, Tyler Lockie already has a big deal, is going to have to split time with DK Metcalf, who's going to get paid a big contract soon. So I don't think this will be the only time you see a situation like this. I think some teams are going to have to make tough decisions like this. And I think you can still build a you know roster, especially around a rookie contract, with those two contracts there. But... If Mike Williams does get hurt or something like that, when you have that big chunk there, it is going to take away from what you have on your team. Obviously, as we saw with the Bucks when they lost Chris Godman, right? Antonio Brown storms off the field, and it's a totally different offense. So you need those guys to obviously be out there if you're going to pay them that. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, is with the Chargers and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, you might pay them that now, but in four years or three years, like what is the top wide receivers making? Because it's like Mike Williams isn't getting wide receiver you know, elite wide receiver money. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is making $27 million. Devontae Adams is probably going to go for somewhere around there as well, right? So it's going to yeah. be significantly under those numbers. 
in the, the market gets reset every single year. Yeah, and I mean, at some point, it's just gonna boom. Like the the, the yeah. salary cap with these TV contracts now that COVID, you know, is less of a hindrance to what the league is making on their bottom line. The salary yeah. cap is only going to keep going up. So that seventeen Absolutely. million in this hypothetical is obviously going to look a, a lot different in a couple of years. And I, I just think, David, it is still really tough. Like it's still a tough decision, and that's why it's like we haven't really. Yeah, I'm not trying to sit in the middle either. Like I think, yeah, it's a there's a reason it's hard because if you don't sign him, I do think it's going to be really hard to replace that production. 1146 yards, nine touchdowns. It's going to be almost impossible to replace that with one person unless you go get a Devonte Adams or someone that's clearly better than that. But it's still hard to justify paying him, you know, around 20 million a year. Yeah, thank God we're not the general manager, right? Thank God we don't have to make those type of decisions because it's incredibly difficult and. Yeah, I don't know how you can possibly think that you're going to go out there and get, you know, somebody who's going to come in and for sure give you the type of production and also have the same type of chemistry that obviously Justin Herbert and Mike Williams have developed in such a short time. And I think that chemistry can only get better. And I think for Mike Williams, if you're him, you're saying, hey, look what I did in this new offense. Look what I did when I was featured. Look what I did when I got 120 plus targets. This is the type of production that you can expect from me if I'm continuing to be used in this similar way. So, I mean, there's obviously uh, an argument on both sides of the token, but I've always been a fan of Mike Williams and I am a fan of bringing him back, but it has to be for the right uh, the right price. If we're talking 20 plus million, then I think Mike Williams has to walk. Yeah, and that's the tough thing. I, I think, I mean, and like, you know, what's the difference between 18 and 20 million, right? Where do you draw the line? I think that's the tough thing to kind of figure out. Will he make more than Keenan Allen? It is tough to pay 40 million to two receivers. I would lean towards keeping him because I just do think he is a very, very good receiver. And I think he is a good fit for what the Chargers want to do offensively, even while you know you have to deal with some of those inconsistencies. But I do think if he does walk, if some team does price him out of the Chargers range, it's not all doom and gloom for the Chargers on the yeah. offensive side. You know, there's still a lot to build around. I still think you're going to see a, a step from Josh Palmer in year two, but I don't think he's, you know, the next guy or necessarily scares anyone as a number two receiver at this point in his career. You would still feel, you know, there's a lot of questions at the wide receiver position without him, especially because after Josh Palmer, it's Jalen Guyton, right? Who's fine, right? But like, that's really it. And that's not a super scary trio of wide receivers, even with as good as Keenan Allen is. And I think part of the blame, I think, goes to Tom Telesco, essentially just because there's not, I mean, he tried to get a backup plan in Josh Palmer, but like there's not a ton there that you feel great about if you were to let Mike Williams go. And you could say the same thing about an edge rusher with a Chen and Wosu, at linebacker with Kazir White, and even more along the roster where you feel like you have to bring some of these guys back. So we'll talk about what the leash is going to be like on Tom Telesco and how important it is for him to have success this season but the official betting sponsor of the locked on charges podcast is betonline.net football might be over for the season but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops you got march madness right around the corner and giant ufc fights that are really really fun to bet on as well i mean some huge underdogs seem to cash every time there and the only place i use to bet on ufc and all of my favorite sports action is betonline.net because from the latest odds totals player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land betonline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and in news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, odds right to your Olympic coverage, and your favorite 
biggest casino games now that things are wrapping up at the Olympics. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, David. Well, I did talk about Tom Telesco to start things there, and I do think it is fair to wonder if part of this being in this situation is Tom Telesco's fault, right, for not having clear backup plans to these big free agents that you feel like you have to bring back. And Barnaby has had enough of Tom Telesco. Fellas, it's Barnaby from the 805. I want to ask today, what kind of timeline would you give Tom Telesco? How long are we going to hold on to this GM? In my opinion, I say give him this season. And if we don't have a deep playoff run, meaning anything other than a first round lock or basically missing the playoffs, if we don't go deep in the playoffs or win it all, I think get rid of him. I think he's earned the chance to go for it, and he's got everything that he needs in order to make it happen this year. we got enough in our payroll, cap space, draft picks, you name it. So he, he can't figure it out this offseason. I would like Tommy T to be gone because I want a GM who is more aggressive and also understands that there are windows. Because we all know that Justin Herbert is going to get paid mad cheddar. He's got $30, $40 million a year. And at that point, who else can you really afford? So let me know. What do you guys think? What's up, baby? All right, David, obviously we've talked a lot about Tom Telesco, especially this season and even leading up to this when Anthony Lynn got fired last season. You know, we were wondering if Tom Telesco would still be the guy. And, I mean, overall for Tom Telesco, it hasn't been a super successful tenure, but he does have a lot of successful players, right? He has a lot of big-time picks like Joey Bosa, Justin Herbert, Derwin James, Rashawn Slater. I mean, there's a lot of really good first-round picks to choose from that Tom Telesco has not just hit on, but hit a home run with, right? But he's up almost like Joey Gallo in some ways, though, because it seems like it's home run or nothing with a lot of these draft classes. So, David, what do you think that the lease should be on Tom Plesso? Do you think it does have to be a deep playoff run for him to return in 2023, which sounds really weird saying? Yes, 100%. <laughs> uh, I, am, I am in complete alignment with Barnaby here. I am <laughs> I'm at the end of my rope with Tom Telesco. I mean, it's been his job to come in here and provide the type of players – that are necessary to win championships, not not just win games, not just win playoff games, win championships. And he hasn't done enough. He hasn't done enough to make that happen. So this year, there's literally no excuses. You have a rookie quarterback who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league on a rookie contract. You have a lot of money. You got plenty of draft picks. If you do not make it to the playoffs, win playoff games, then you have to go. They have to find somebody else. There literally is no excuse in my mind. It is a deep playoff run or a new general manager for me. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's fair, and I also think there's it's no way it's going to happen, especially if the Chargers make the playoffs. I mean, I think Justin Herbert with this front office, with this ownership group, I should say, has bought himself leniency by picking Justin Herbert and hitting on Rashawn Slater, right? And I think he's going to get a lot of credit for that. He deserves a lot of credit for that. I think the biggest thing is holding a microscope up to the other picks that haven't panned out. I mean, you look at the outside of Justin Herbert pick in his 2020 draft class. Yeah, there's not a lot there. Even the 2019 class, you know, the Jerry Tillery and Nazir Adderley class, not a lot of starters coming out of that that you feel really good about going into this season. And I think that is part of the reason that you're in these tough spots like I was talking about before. Like, you don't have a linebacker you feel great about after Kazir White. Maybe... 
you know, Drew Tranquil, but that's one dude, right? Because you definitely don't feel good about Kenneth Murray. After Uchenna and Wosu, you can't really have Chris Rump go out there and just be the starting guy outside of Joey Bosa. Doesn't mean you can't go get a, you know, cheaper option than Uchenna and let him sign a multi-year deal. But you feel like you have to bring him back because of the lack of guys you have behind him right now. Say the same thing about Mike Williams. You could say the same thing about Justin Jones because Justin Jones was the Chargers' best run defender as a defensive lineman last season. And you, it was still not good enough for that defense. Now you feel like you have to bring all these guys in multi-years back. But at the same time, at that point, you're really handicapping the external free agents that you know that you can bring in and the difference-making guys that you can bring in in that situation. So I think with Tom Tolesco, I mean 69 and 76 in nine seasons, two playoff appearances with a 2-2 two and two record in those playoff appearances, all with Phillip Rivers and Justin Herbert. But he also has a lot of Pro Bowls and a lot of really good picks as well. So a lot of shiny things to go along with it. I definitely understand the frustration there. But let's get into the next question here. Let's go to Lewis Bensman, who has two questions for us. We'll get into in a quick way. And that is, do California's taxes affect us as a free agency landing spot? And what did you think of the Panthers taking only defensive players? So, (laughs) yes, I do think the taxes have some impact. I think it's impossible not to when you're talking about the type of money that gets taxed on a hundred plus million dollar deal. And not all of them are like that, but a smaller deal, even though it puts you in a different tax bracket, you have less money that you want to lose from that because you're not making those, you know, hundreds of millions. I don't think it's a huge difference, you know, and I think we've seen, you know, the Rams get free agents. They've traded for a lot of players too, but I think they, they still are a free agent destination, but I do think it has to play a little bit of a factor. Now going to the Panther. What do you think, David? Good. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it definitely plays a factor in it, but there's also some attractive factors as well. Uh, meaning, uh, I don't know, Justin Herbert and, uh, you know, Derwin James, Joey Bosa. So there's several attractive features. Oh, and also, by the way, I can play eight of my games, at least eight of my games right. and some absolutely phenomenal weather. Yeah, in that California. Definitely, yeah, yeah, in California and one of the biggest media markets in the world. Uh, yeah, there's some negatives, but there's also a lot of positives, too. Yeah, for sure. And I, I just think it's tough because then you look at a team like, you know, in Florida or something like that, where it's like, there's no income tax, right? And now you're getting yeah. all of that money that you have on that it's contract true. instead of losing, you know, tens of millions of dollars potentially. And does the player actually want to go out there and win games or do they want to make the most money? Because that is something that plays a factor in it as well. <laughs> but not as much as many people think because almost every time they're going to want to make as much money as possible in a very disposable sport that will get rid of you with no, you know, second warning or anything like oh, that. Yeah. I don't care that much, so. Uh, getting to the second bar here, it was amazing to watch the Panthers draft all defensive players. Did it help their defense? I mean, I'm sure yes. You know, I'm sure they're more talented on defense than they were. J.C. Horn didn't play a lot, so that obviously yeah. hurts you. But, like, the Panthers were still a really bad team. And a lot of that has to do with Sam Darnold and, you know, who preceded him at quarterback there. But it doesn't work, even though it still would be tempting, David, especially if you go sign, you know, bring back Mike Williams. Maybe you sign a tight end. Maybe you sign a right tackle and free agency, and you're just like, F it. <laughs> like, we're throwing every all 11 of these picks on defense. Yeah, you can't do that because there's more than just a couple of holes, and they're not all on the defensive side. And also, you don't just draft for this year's come upcoming team. Like, you, you, uh, people got to understand that. You're drafting to add depth for three, four, five years. Like, that's the point of looking at the draft, you have to look at it in the micro sense. Obviously you want, you need help and you need people to come in and, and be impact players right away. 
but you also need them. You need to have guys that can develop and also be core members of your team going forward too. So you have to you know, really understand the approach when you're looking at the draft. Yeah, you do. And I think the other thing is too, is like, yeah, there's a potential, you know, hypothetical that every player that lands at you is the best player available and also plays on the same side of the ball as what you're looking for in this case, defense, right? It's not likely, right? You're pay- if you go into the draft thinking that way, then you're you're really eliminating the best player available kind of mantra. So if you want to be a yeah. best player available type of team, you can't say we're only taking defense or only taking offense. It just isn't that easy. That being said, I love the fact that they went for it. Love it. <laughs> we really <laughs> love need to it. improve the defense. I think they were still like the 20th ranked defense or something in the NFL last season, and their offense was like 29th. So maybe throw all the picks on offense this year, Carolina, and see if something shakes out your way. But we do have more that we want to get into on Fan Friday, so we're going to come up with a few more questions to think about in the next segment, including if there will be a good player available for the Chargers at 17 and maybe taking your money back from Mike Williams and throwing it at Devontae Adams coming up after this. But I do need to tell you guys that I'm very hungry. I've been thinking a lot about Bill Bars this entire time. Like You've seen me talking about football. But the entire time I've been thinking about Bill Bars because they are my favorite protein bar. And they're the one thing that's really helped me as I'm dieting for my wedding coming up very, very soon. You need something that's going to break up the monotony of a diet, right? A lot of chicken, a lot of vegetables, right? Things like that. Not the funnest things to eat. Sometimes you need something fun to eat. And Bill Bars not only are great for you, and you're going to get something that's loaded with protein, 17 grams of protein in most bars, less than four grams of sugar, less than four grams of net carbs. You're getting something that tastes great and is 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew, while also being good for you. It just doesn't make sense. You have great flavors to choose from, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcy is another good one, salted caramel, coconut almond, so many flavors to choose from, and they have the puffs. The puffs are great. The first ever protein-infused marshmallow, and you're getting crazy flavors like banana cream pie. You could also get cinnamon churro. I mean, churro, you had me a churro. I mean, it's easy as that. And they taste great, right? That's the best part. Because if it didn't taste good, I wouldn't be able to tell you guys about it. Because it's like, I'm not going to eat something unless it tastes good. That's why it's so nice to have a built Bar half. Something that's going to fit on my diet. And something that tastes great as well. It makes me forget, you know, makes me feel like I'm having a little cheap meal in the middle of the day. And you guys can even save some money. Because if you go to built.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, David. Well, let's power through as many more fan questions as we can today. And we have to get into our boy Zach's voicemail today talking about where the Chargers are at a tricky spot in the draft. And I do think, David, the Chargers will have a good player fall to them at the 17th pick. Hi, Zach from Florida here. So I don't know how you feel about this question, but what are your thoughts and feelings about where we are in the draft at the 17th pick? Now, I'm mixed about it. On the one hand, I would love a farther spot and for us to be getting a spot because we were in the playoffs. But on the other hand, when you do a lot of these mock drafts, a lot of the big players that especially that I want or that are just big names are all off the board by the time that we pick at 17. And it brings up a weird scenario of either getting a position that we really don't need in the first round or you're reaching for a position you do need. Now, I know we've had success in the past of having great players drop to us, but that's not going to happen every year. So we'd love to know your thoughts, and go Bolt. 
I think the one nice thing about this is you, the one thing you feel good about Tom Tuaska with is picking in the first round, right? And he hasn't many times picked later than this. I, the only time I can think of, I mean, recently at least would be 2018 when they Jerry picked Jerry Tillery, Tillery right? Yeah. But I think the other season was the Bengals season. I think that ended up, uh, well, no, the the first playoffs where Melvin Ingram tore his ACL and came back. I mean, they made the playoffs that year, won a game. So that would have been a later pick. But besides that, it's 17 with Derwin James, right? It doesn't usually get any later than that. And that's where we saw him pick him. And I think the hard thing here, David, is just like, there's not a lot of top 10 clear-cut guys, so it's hard to say that one of those top 10 guys is going to fall to you. But I still feel good about the Chargers' chances of not only finding a good player there, but finding a good player that's going to fit a position of need. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers have all kinds of needs. You look on the defensive side, you could conceivably argue that you could pick a player at pretty much any level of the defense in the first round that would come in and make an impact that you would need to add. You need you need a corner, you need a, a pass rusher, you need a defensive lineman. Probably not safety. I'd say safety. Yeah, probably, probably the not only safety, one. right? But I mean, most of those places you could, could you know you can warrant taking a player in the first round. So I mean, there's so many different positions the Chargers need to address on both sides of the ball, um, and also just because you know you're out there on the mock draft simulators, and I know they're fun. Those are all based off of the projections that those individual companies are expecting those players to go. That doesn't mean that that's mirroring what NFL franchises and NFL front offices have as their big board. Every single year, the draft happens and players go in spots you never expect them to go. So the chances of the Chargers being able to get a good player at 17, I think is still very strong. And even if they, you know, say trade back, I think that there's still opportunities to add a lot of value in the draft, even with 11 draft picks. Well, I mean, that's kind of contradictory just from the sense that, like, if there is good players there, right, like, you're going to trade back. If you're willing to trade back, you feel good enough about the players that are there because you feel like there's still someone good, right? Maybe the one guy that you had pegged didn't make it there, so now you're willing to settle from a group of two or three other guys that are still available. But I think the hard thing about this is, like, I think the one guy that would kind of fit the mold of, hey, that guy's never going to make it there, right, is probably Sauce. Like, I think probably yeah. Sauce Garner is, like, the guy that, like, of course, if he makes it there, you take him, right, and just oh, take a top-flight premier prospect at corner Hell that yes. probably shouldn't make it to you. But, like, besides him, there's not a lot of guys that are either going to, like, n- definitely not make it out of the top ten, like the, you know, top couple of tackles, right. like, like Yvonne t- Thibodeau or Aiden, yeah. H- Aiden Hutchinson, like, those guys won't make it, but there's not a lot of other guys because after that, it's super ambiguous and everyone has a lot of different feelings on those guys. But with all the guys that are available and given the needs of the teams before the Chargers, which is tough because there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are going to go before the Chargers that's as it the, seems yeah, right now, thing. and that's what's going to hurt them. But whether it's Andrew Booth Jr., whether it's a Jermaine Johnson, right, I think there is going to be a guy there that you're going to feel good about once the Chargers pick comes up. And if one of those guys isn't there, it means one of those other guys who projected to go before that right now to other teams is going to fall to you. So I do think a good player will end up falling to them. But you're right. You're not going to get generational type of players every year that just end up falling to you and having teams pass up on them like that. But let's get into some other Twitter questions here. Before we wrap up the show today, we have Blake's dad who who says J.C. Jackson is his number one free agent. He'd bring in kind of like David Drogmeyer. He says the question is, would it be worth letting Mike Williams walk to throw an insane amount of money at Devontae and Gusecki and just seeing if anyone can stop the offense. All right, David, go ahead. 
I mean, hey, I, you you love the 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 big names and and you know the the big contracts are always awesome to to look at, but they don't always work out. And also, I don't necessarily think that bringing in Gasecki would be the move at tight end that would make the biggest impact, in my opinion. As far as Devontae Adams is concerned, we know how good that guy is. We you know the guy had eighteen touchdowns in twenty twenty. Uh, he's absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, we know what he brings to the table with Aaron Rodgers. We don't necessarily know what he's going to look like with a non Hall of Fame, you know, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback throwing him the football. So, you know, we know that he's good. You know, he's great, but also know that part of that greatness was that bond and that chemistry that he developed with Aaron Rodgers. Sure. And I think the thing is, like, yeah, I mean, if you're telling me you can have Mike Williams for 22 and Devontae for 24, I'd rather pay Devontae 24. Oh, sure. If if those are my two options, which are not. But no, Devontae is probably going to go for 26, 27. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is making 27.25 million on average per season right now. So that's up there. And Devontae Adams has every right to ask for something close to that. Right. But the Chargers yeah. don't have the money to go after both of those guys. I do think there is something to, hey, let's just make an unstoppable offense and, and make teams keep up with us. I don't know if a Devontae Adams makes you an unstoppable offense. It could make you better than you were last year with a step from Josh Palmer, right? Even without Mike Williams. But it doesn't make you unstoppable. So I just think that it's nice to think about, but you're also totally, you know, you, you have to at least have a competent defense. And I think the Chargers are a ways from that right now before they go out and start signing some guys in free agency. So we do have some more we want to get into here. I do want to get to Tito from L.A. who has a question about Hakeem Hicks and maybe bringing some of the other boys back from that defensive line unit. This is Tito from South Central Los Angeles. We wanted to get your your thoughts on what if we bring back Justin Jones to sign Hakeem Hicks and Limbaugh Joseph, we bring him back. Uh, He takes a pay cut like Dwight Freeney did back in the day. Uh, I don't think nobody's going to be running on them three. Hillary would have to go on the bench or gone, but you wanted to get your thoughts both up. So in this scenario, you're bringing back Justin Jones and Limbaugh Joseph for a pay cut, like Dwight Freeney did back in the day. Dwight Freeney wasn't good when he was on the Chargers, but that's neither here nor there. And then you bring in Akeem Hicks. So a couple big problems with that. Too much elderly, you know, yes. too much elder statement on the field at the same time. You have a 33-year-old Linval Joseph, a 32-year-old Akeem Hicks. Not something I want. I feel good about bringing back Justin Jones for a very small salary, right, on a couple-year prove-it deal kind of thing and still adding on to it after that. But I just think there's too many issues with that specific trio and trying to run it back with a couple, you know, with a defensive line that was one of the worst in the league at stopping the run. Well, yeah, and just with that age group, you know that injuries and attrition is is going to rear its ugly head. So I just don't know if that's the best, you know, roster construction idea is to add a couple of guys that are 30 plus on the defensive line. I think you need to get younger. You need to get faster. You need to get twitchier. um, And I think that's that's the way to do it. I mean, I don't know. um, You know, adding, you know, keeping the big names. And, yeah, I understand, you know, hey, Linval Joseph is gigantic. He's huge. Um, you know, and Akeem Hicks is a big name and he's an established presence when he's on the field. But I just don't think that you can bet on those guys, you know, even maintaining the same level of play um, over the course of a year or two years. That's just not the way to do it. The Chargers need to get younger and they need to get more athletic. 
I think the thing that scares me is thinking about the Chargers potentially, who still has to, you know, have to make a decision on Jerry Tillery's fifth-year option this right. offseason, which would be something to talk about on another show. But being afraid to bring in multiple defensive linemen because they feel like they have a starter in Jerry Tillery who's going to take a huge step. That's what scares me. Because if you throw the same scenario out without Limbaugh Joseph, but you say like a Justin Jones and a B.J. Hill, now that's yeah. something I could get behind. You know what I mean? Now that's something that you have some youth there, at least something to build around there. Yeah, Sebastian and, Joseph Day, right? You add one right, of those Right, exactly, guys. for sure. And I think that B.J. Hill you know, could play some nose tackle. Justin Jones could play some nose tackle. Uh it's tough when you're bringing in elderly guys, but I do think they need to add multiple guys to that position. I just don't know if those three are the right ones. But we do have another one here, David, someone that DM'd us, and we told him we'd get the question on the show today. And it's Timmy on Twitter who asked if it's possible to attain, obtain Jarvis Landry via trade or release from Cleveland. So the main problem here, David, is I just think it's too similar of a skill set to Keenan Allen. And I think that's the my biggest you know, pet peeve here or something, the sticking point as to why it wouldn't make a lot of sense. I do think he could end up being released. I do think he's probably going to force his way out of Cleveland if he doesn't get some sort of deal there. Uh, but he has $14 million in base salary, and I just think that's not what the Chargers need because he's not a big yak guy, not a big you know run-after-the-catch guy, and he's also not a big play receiver. Averaged 11 yards per catch in his career. So I think that's the biggest problem. I think you love the man who Jarvis Landry is. You like the leader that he is. Um, that's definitely uh, unequivocal to me. I, I'm I'm definitely a fan of Jarvis Landry. But is this a hard knock? <laughs> no, is this it's not the hard knocks. No, not at all. I just like I just like Jarvis Landry a, a, as a man. I mean, just a, you know what he said and how he's carried himself. I think he's a solid player for sure. But I don't think, like you said, I don't think he adds a skill set that is going to add a different dimension to this Chargers wide receiver core that is already present currently. Yeah, and I mean, I don't like him as a replacement for Mike Williams, and I don't also don't like a top three receiver, you know, or top ten or top three receiving core of him, Josh Palmer and Jarvis Lane or in Keenan Allen, right? I just no. think that's a little too similar uh, as far as their skill sets, you know, going heavy around route runners without really having a lot of deep speed or deep ball ability out of the three of those guys to this point. So I do think it is something to watch. I mean, I, I do understand it because he is a good player. You want to bring as many good players as possible. But I think that would just be the big sticking point for me is why it wouldn't make a ton of sense for the Chargers, given their current, you know, roster construction with Keenan Allen already making that much money. The only thing worse than having, you know, $37 million on two receivers is having $35 million on two receivers who pretty much do the same thing. But yeah, that's going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you guys to everyone who contributed. And sorry to those who we couldn't get into on today's show. We appreciate you guys getting involved on a fan mail Friday. And to make sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown LAC so you get out there and see the Twitter post when we put it out and call into 323-524-7924 to get on the Lockdown Chargers voicemail line. On Monday, it's exciting because we're going to have our first ever mock draft Monday talking about second-round prospects for the Chargers because I do think there are some talented players who could fall into the second round and some fun guys to discuss there now that we've gotten into some first-round picks, a lot of first-round picks potentially for the Chargers. So make sure you're here for that. And we're also talking about Mike Williams potentially getting franchise tags soon. We have a lot more going on next week as we get closer and closer to free agency when these big decisions have to be made. But you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogemeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD. Make sure to go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcasts from. And make sure you guys tune in as always and get the latest on the only place you're going to find daily Chargers content video and audio. But we'll be back with you guys on Monday for Mock Draft Monday. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.